All right, welcome back to the 514 Guys. I'm Jeff. With me is my best friend, Todd, in Canada. Let's get to it, Todd. How's your week been? It's been good, man. It's been good. Yeah, things are starting to ramp up. Some work is getting busy. Kids are going back to school. So, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Sounds exciting. Um, all right, we, we promised our, our listeners a lot this week. Uh, we had a lot of input from people that did listen last week. We'll get to that in a bit. Let's get right to it, buddy. Hard knocks week one with the Jets. What did you think? I went in and like, you know, I've never liked Aaron Rodgers. If I never liked Brett Favre, I found both quarterbacks in Green Bay always to be pouting, pouting all the time. Uh, you know, complicated characters. You know, the COVID-19 stuff didn't help with Aaron Rodgers either. Constantly, you know, unsure if he's coming back, wants to be traded, whatnot. But actually watching hard knocks, I have to say, Walked away, but it gave you a positive impression of Aaron Rodgers, gave you a positive impression of Nathaniel Hackett, who has been taking a lot of beatings publicly over uh, since his, his departure from Denver. Um, I thought it was a good look for the Jets. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I Very entertaining. I've been super disappointed with the last few seasons of Hard Knocks. I think they've been complete snoozers. Having Aaron Rodgers on there, after all we, you know, we see in the media, definitely entertaining. And one huge takeaway is I love how Aaron Rodgers defended Nathaniel Hackett, you yeah, know, from the absolutely. criticism he took from Sean Payton. To me, that showed a lot. It showed things about his character that I didn't necessarily know. And maybe he's, he's a loyal guy to his small faction of friends or teammates. And I, again, I came away very impressed. So yeah. definitely an interesting team to watch. Yeah. And like we said last week, the AFC East is going to be fascinating. I mean, it's oh, going yeah. to be good. And I, a guy who came, I was really impressed with was Patrick Sertan. Like I just like on the, you know, the, the sideline piece there when he's talking to Rogers or whatever, he, you know, he's kind of awestruck, but he, he's trying to probe Aaron Rodgers for information on like, you know, how to be a pro and whatnot. Right. Like I thought about, thought it was interesting for sure. Absolutely. And you talk about awestruck, you know, you, you listen in on all of the, you know, the sideline chatter and how impressed they are with Rogers. I went through and I'm just looking at the past, um, probably the last, 10 quarterbacks for the Jets. And I'll just read you some names. Zach Wilson, we know he's young. But Flacco, Mike White, Sam Darnold, Luke Falk, Trevor Simeon, Josh McNown, Bryce Petty, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, who are these guys? <laughs> uh, you know, like, literally, who are some of these guys? And for someone with Aaron Rodgers' stature and, you know, his accolades to come on there, I'm sure they're impressed. The defense is always good. It's a strong young team, and they could really surprise some people. No, I th- I agree. I uh, I think definitely the team will get better, instantly better, right? That's four or five wins instantly just with having him on the roster. So, Yeah, and he looks rejuvenated too. You know, I, I don't know, living in Green Bay for 20 years, I, you know, I've never lived there, but uh, I just think coming to New York, he seems like a New York kind of guy and he just seems rejuvenated, like a young guy again. So I'm excited to watch him play. I've never been a fan at all, but uh, definitely I'll be watching the Jets this year. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, one thing for our listeners, I know I'm in the U.S., I get it on uh, HBO. You said you couldn't get it on HBO. How are you getting it for our listeners in Canada that might want to watch Hard Knocks? So I have most of the HBO programming through Crave, which is kind of the cable subscription service in Canada uh, that has the HBO package. Hard Knocks is not on Crave for some reason. And uh, looking online, like on some of the Reddit boards and stuff like that, Apparently, you need like a U.S. internet connection to kind of get access to Hard Knocks on, on the HBO suite. So if anyone has any uh, <laughs> ideas, send us a note because uh, I'll be watching it bootleg YouTube in the, whatever two hours window of two hours that's posted from the time. It's 
Hey, whatever gets you through, man. Bobby yeah. Stagg might have a way around that, I, I would imagine. All right, something else we both watched was the Johnny Manziel documentary. Yes. Uh, give me your thoughts, buddy. Um, I thought the first half like, was interesting. Um, I never was never a Johnny Manziel fan. Uh, I think that has, the story was half told, though, to be honest, because I... You know, he's very open about uh, his addiction issues. So, like, alcohol, drugs, like, even mentioned opioids. Mm-hmm. Um, but we never really got any real closure, right? But I thought they were really transparent on his problems and, and very transparent on how the university, uh, Texas A&M, and his parents enabled him uh, to his downfall, right? So, um, like I said, it's an interesting 90 minutes. Um, I just don't think we get a lot of closure. Like, you know, like, <laughs> and I don't think they attempted to either. I think they just kind of basically said, Here's Johnny Manziel. Here's the problems that he's had. Here's the problems he still has. So, yeah, good watch. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they should have done like a part two. I think it could have been two episodes. You know, his his post-NFL career, you know, and I know you have some contacts with the Owls, but he did play there as well. But I think really from the very, very beginning, it showed how Texas A&M failed him. You know, he was a uh, freshman on campus, right? He had the, the DUI or whatever, public intoxication. They swept that under the rug day one before he even started. I think Cliff Kingsbury comes out looking terrible through the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I think he's all about winning. Nothing to do about the player himself. You know, he Johnny shows up hung over the next day and Cliff is like, well, you better have a big game or there's going to be a consequence. I mean, how about a consequence before you even play the game? And I just think it, it shows it's win at all cost and um, – it, it's it's a bad look. I really think it's a bad look all around. And that's my takeaway. I, I don't think anyone, the coaches, Johnny, the parents, the school, nobody looked good in, in the whole documentary. And I appreciate that. You know, well, it wasn't like, some feel-good yeah. documentary. Yeah, I mean, Kingsbury openly says, well, we had an offensive package. You know, he's a, you know, he's a, uh, not a run and shoot, but he's a spread spread guy, right? And whatever. And it's like, well, we just figured out it's better if Johnny runs, we'll let him do his thing, right? So right. it's like, how is that going to prepare him for the program? And I know that's not the, that's not the expectation of a uh, college coach, but I don't know. And you know what boggles my mind to this day? Like back in 2015 or 2016 when he came out, came out into the NFL, into the draft, I think any casual football fan you spoke to for the most part would have said, this is not going to translate well to the NFL. But there's a front bunch of front out front office scouts that like you know decided for whatever reason we'll get bums in seats and this guy could uh, potentially help us win. Like I can't, it still boggles my mind that he was a first round quarterback pick. Yeah, that's day. a great point. And and I wonder if he was a pick for the personality more than the player because you know we hear all these things. Hey, they do background checks, this and that. I honestly don't think the NFL does. I mean, this stuff was so obvious and clear. I don't think they care. And. You know, when, when you ask Johnny, he's on camera, how much film did you watch? Literally, he holds up his hand, zero. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's like he he's mocking the whole system. And I, I just think it's it's a shame from the Browns on down, and it shows why the Browns suck year after year <laughs> exactly. to have made a pick like that. It, yeah, anyway. Desperation, desperation. desperation. But you, know, like, you know, like, there were signs, like, he missed the Manning Passing Academy where he's an invited guest, right? So that's a red flag. Then he doesn't show up to the draft because he's hungover. His dad... <laughs> fakes a heart attack actually, <laughs> right. actually ties up like a whole emergency ward like goes through the whole like whatever coronary like whatever artery gets his arteries checked out the whole procedures yeah. like ties up a medical staff for a few hours or whatever just so he has johnny has an alibi like that this is ludicrous like it's crazy ludicrous and and you look at him now and you know his sister's like he can't function in society you know what's he doing nothing because he can't i mean this guy still has a long life to live and you kind of wonder where this you know his story's not done so I'd like to see a follow-up in, you know, 
five years if the guy's still even alive. <laughs> but, you know, who we'll knows, see. you know? We'll he's see. Ryan Leaf, right? Didn't we see this with Ryan Leaf? Yep, the guy absolutely. is more about partying than football, and it's, it's Leaf part two. Anyway, it was a cool watch and uh, well worth it. All right, let's stay on watches because um, there's something I really haven't followed, but you keep talking to me about it. Tell me about the Lakers documentary you're watching. Well, you said me during the pandemic, Jeff, you had given me the Jeff Perlman book, Three Ring Circus. It's right. all about Phil Jackson, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, right? And the whole Lakers trilogy, like, or whatever, during that period, right? So that Perlman led me to the winning time, like the original Jeff Perlman book on the Lakers, like the Lakers with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic, right? And, and Pat Riley. So recently, HBO just released a dramatized series, the second season, Winning Time, based loosely based on the Jeff Perlman book. And it basically has Jerry Buss played by John C. Riley, right? And Adrian Brody plays Riley, right? So it's it, really a dramatized version, almost a comic book version, because they really over-exaggerate the characters. They make Jerry West look like a psychopath. Um, <laughs> but it's it, definitely entertaining. Like, definitely entertaining series. They're on season two. And it really is kind of the story... Different stories, right? So you have the evolution of the league. So NBA comes into modernized times. They go from tape delay to getting the ESPN cable package. You have Jerry Buss, who's a very flamboyant character. And very similar, not dissimilar to Succession, he has uh, his children are basically helping him run the franchise. So you have the, all the infighting between the children. You have the, uh, the evolution of Pat Riley, right? So he's basically starts off, he's an assistant to Paul Westhead, who's the coach at the time. But you can see Riley is such a strong character. He starts to make his way, ascend his way to the, the head coaching position, to the chagrin of the coach who's already in place. You have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, scored in the paint, seven foot four. And then you have this Magic Johnson come in, who's like all over the floor passing, like behind the back, no look passes. So completely running guns, completely different style of game, right? So you have all these things happening at the same time. It really makes for a fascinating watch. Interesting. So it is the Showtime Lakers, and I guess it's, you know, them versus Bird and the Celtics. I guess that takes... Yeah, uh, I mean they overplay like Larry Bird. Like they make they almost make Larry Bird look like this racist, <laughs> like redneck, <laughs> redneck character. Like they got one scene, opening scene where the Lakers basically beat uh, the Celtics in Game Seven in Boston, and you have Prince in the soundtrack. Like let's go crazy is basically these enraged like white crazy Irish Catholic like <laughs> Celtics fans like charging the bus like you know yelling racial epithets like at the bus or whatever. So it's it's kind of cool. Well, uh, it's good. This. Is there going to be, you know, a season three that's going to follow the Shaq Kobe years that you know of? Good question, man. I mean, they're taking their time deliberately, right? So I think season two is going to end in 84, mm-hmm. right? And I think they're going to, because the, the season one, it basically starts off with 1991 where Magic Johnson's diagnosed with AIDS, hmm. right? So I think the intent is they're probably going to take us up to Magic Johnson. Uh, the, the, and, and his initial retirement due to uh, contracting HIV. But we'll see. Like I, um, Interestingly enough, if you really want to deep dive on the Lakers, on Disney+, Plus, they have a long-form documentary series on the Buss family and the evolution of the Lakers from Jerry West all the way to Kobe and Shaq. Interesting. And that's actually a, that. a more interesting watch because it really gets into the inner workings of the Buss family, right. which are a really interesting, an interesting crowd for sure to, <laughs> to kind of learn about. One more question before we move on. If I did not watch season one, can I just jump into season two and it's all good? Absolutely, man. I think okay. it's designed. I mean, I'll, I'll say it deliberately. It was probably deliberately designed that a 12-year-old could get into it and, and not miss a beat, right? Except for the fact that Magic's sleeping with everything that moves. <laughs> <laughs> right? Every two seconds, yeah. but All right, watch. fantastic. All right, so that's what we're watching or what we did watch. All right, let's get into another hot topic. You and I sort of had a, a little discussion about this, I guess, two nights ago when we were talking about this episode. Uh, 
Deion Sanders, University yes. of Colorado. Let's talk. What do you think, Todd? I think he has ripped off the Band-Aid of everything we knew, which was corrupt with college sports, and basically been openly transparent and glaring, glaringly honest about everything, right? Because um, everything about it, you know, he's basically overhauled the roster, brought in 70 new players, basically transferred all the other players out in the portal or basically told them they should transfer out because they won't play. He's brought in a pro coaching staff, so he's got two NFL coaches, like Mike Zimmer and uh, Pat Shermer, like on staff. Uh, it's all about hype. It's all about performance. Um, and he doesn't seem apologetic about it, right? Like, <laughs> so I think it's basically, it's going to infuriate some of the traditional college football traditionalists, but I think he's a symptom. I don't think he's a cause of anything. I think he's a symptom of where we're at with the NIL, my take. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, there's, I have a few takes on this. I think, you know, obviously he did overhaul the roster. That was something you could do as a first year coach, right? You can just essentially flip everyone you want. I don't think he gave any loyalty to those that were at Colorado prior. Maybe he didn't have to. They were 1-11 last year. But I also question whether this is a long-term play by Dion or is he going to do exactly what the players just did. And I, and I see him doing it. I think this is a one- or two-year play, depending on the record. And there's a stepping stone. And we'll see what happens with these players. I also have read an article or, or read an article recently where the promise for these players that are transferring in is not so much winning ball games; It's we're going to get you to the pros. And that shows me that the players that are coming in, you know, they're not necessarily team guys. They're individuals themselves. They want to make the money. They want to, you know, get the bag, go pro. They don't necessarily care about winning. And um, I don't know how this works. Absolutely. I, I really don't. I mean, add the fact his, <laughs> his son is the quarterback. Exactly. Like, when, when has that worked well? So let's say he throws three picks in the opener against TCU. There's going to be a lot of eyes looking at Dion, like, okay, what are you doing? Right, his other son's a cornerback. Like I, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I, I really could go. They could go sideways really quick. Like, you mentioned these NFL guys. I know Mike Zimmer, right? The ex Vikings coach. Look, when I see these NFL guys come back to college football, I it doesn't work. The, the guys that had success in the NFL, the pro game is very different. It's not spread, hurry up, RPO offenses. These pro defenses don't work in college. There's a reason why he's not in the NFL anymore. Guys do not return to college unless they can't find an NFL job. So you can say he's on the roster. That's cool. But Mike Zimmer, in my opinion, would much rather be in the NFL. Um, <laughs> you know, college football is 12 months of football. If you're not coaching, you're recruiting. And the guy is, you know, whatever he is, 70 years old, calling 18-year-old kids every night. So I don't think that's really where he wants to be. The other thing, you know, we did run a poll on our podcast, and I'm just looking – one of the questions was, how will Colorado and Deion Sanders do this year? 80% of our listeners said they'll have a winning season, which would be tremendous, right? Going from 1-11 to whatever they, they come out of winning season. And 20% of our listeners said they'll be in the playoff hunt, which would obviously be remarkable, right? You'd be coach of the year, there's no doubt. There'd, there'd be parades in Colorado. Um, I do think the second half of their schedule works out for them. But, man, that first half is brutal. They're playing TCU. They're playing USC. They're playing Oregon. They're playing a revamped Nebraska team. This could be a really tough start for Colorado, and then we see where this goes. That'll be so. humbling, yeah. I think that first half of the season will be humbling. I know they had on Coward, Colin Coward, they had Urban Meyer on. Um, not that <laughs> I question yeah. whether we should listen the to legend. anything about Urban Meyer, right? But uh, Urban Meyer actually went to the Buffalo's uh, camp or whatever, and Coward asked him what he thought, and he said, you know what, I thought it was going to be a joke. But he's like, these guys can ball. Like, they're – you know, they're playoff caliber, they're a play, potentially a playoff caliber team. 
Um, like I said, we'll see, man. Time will tell. Uh, it's uh, I just it's a weird place, and I know we, we you and I have talked about the NIL, but at least 30, 40 years ago, if you were watching Notre Dame or USC, you know Howard, you know Howard Cosell or whatever Brent Musburger, they'd flash a player up on the screen and they'd say whatever. Junior, he's a criminology major, three point eight seven GPA, <laughs> right. like whatever. He's from Hoyas Town. Like that, you know, the, the college football now, man, they don't even make the illusion or even like hint that they're these guys are students. No, like, they don't even, they don't even they make any reference to that. And I know it. It was always corrupt, unless you were like Tom Osborne or maybe like a Lou Holtz or whatever. But I think we're in a place in time where it's like this is basically just like a sponsorship deal. It's a professional team raising money for the school. Totally you know? agree. Totally agree. And you look, you know, just to, you know, stay on the same NIL deal and, and what's happening with college football, you look this week at um, Washington and Oregon also joining the Big Ten. And you're recruiting kids, you know, you're coming to Oregon or Washington and you go, hey, you get to go on a flight six times a year to the Midwest. I mean, what, <laughs> what's going on? Like, how are you yeah. doing school through all of this? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I think we're about to see two kind of minor league divisions, right? The Big Ten and the SEC which will mirror the AFC and NFC. And I think that's where college football is heading. And let's just stop playing school. I, I just, it's an illusion for many of these programs. right yeah. now. So, I, yeah. The only good thing about Dion is it is fun to see the Nick Sabins and the, and the Kirby, whatever smart, and, you know, Jim, you know, Harbaugh and all that. Like it is fun to see a guy punch him in the chin, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like, these traditional yeah. football powers to see like a guy who's brash and cocky and doing things a different way. Like that, that to me is fun. So well, I think it's fun, but I mean, Hey, it's a lot of talk before you play the game. Yeah. Cool. You won at Jackson state. Congrats. Let's see. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a lot of talk. And sometimes I don't know, it's just talk. And, mm. and one guy that's not into the talk that we also discussed is Trent Dilfer, who's running yeah. a program as well. And he has some things to say. What are your thoughts with Trent? Oh man, I, Trent Dilfer because he's kind of dabbled like he's coached high school football and he, you know he's done his his, his quarterback elite thing, uh, whatever it is the eight, whatever it's called and you know like but he still kept his foot in the media, and even after he signed at University of Alberta, uh, sorry, University of Alabama Birmingham, uh, like in early early twenty twenty three, he's still being doing media spots right and criticizing other college coaches, right so and now he's come out and he's you know. He's upset because there's the potential that players may be lured away from University of Alberta, Birmingham to major football powers. And he's insulted and he's basically called out, you know, some of these head coaches and says, if you come after my players, I'm going to use my media outlets and my media connections uh, to out you publicly. Which right. means like, come on, man, this is, this is where we're at. The players have mobility. They can go where they want. The coaches have mobility. They can go where they want. So if you're going to be upset that a, a kid can potentially go to a better program, do the students have the right or the players, well, we call them students, do the, the college players have a right to block any phone call coming in from your agent? You know, like, because, you know, potentially uh, an SEC school wants to take a look at you? Like, come on. Right. And, and this... you and I, we kind of texted back and forth on this after he came out. Look, how many UAB guys are honestly getting recruited by Georgia, Alabama, <laughs> Florida State? Like, hey, Trent, stay in your lane, buddy. You know, yeah. do what you're going to do at UAB, and you don't have to worry about that happening right now. I, I know you won a couple of state championships in high school football. But uh, let's see what you do, right? He's, yeah, he's, uh, he's the guy that, remember, was when he put his name on it, when Mark Sanchez came out, like uh, USC, he was like, this is the can't-miss pick. Like, he's once in a generation. It's just, mm -hmm. his whole career has been using QB buzzwords, like, to yes. sound smart or whatever, and I find there's no substance to anything he says. 
Well, I think I think it's interesting for him and Dion. It's time mm-hmm. to stop the talk. Let's see what you mm-hmm. got. I think yeah. there's going to be some people giving them their absolute best shots, and uh, I'd love to see TCU hang fifty on them week one. Yeah. Just to, <laughs> Could just happen. To see where this goes. You know Could the press happen. conference afterwards. I just I'd love to see it. Yeah. So uh, it's entertaining. All right, let's move on to something else. You know, you and I talked about something we might want to talk about is the top. We we decided top three or top five quarterback head coach combos in the NFL. Um, what do you think? Do you have do you have a few favorites? Well, first, because we always say, like, we subscribe to, again, to the Colin Coward School of Betting. Like, if you're not sure, <laughs> go with best QB and best quarterback, and that's what wins in the league. Like, if you look at the traditional powerhouses, that's – and you can even add ownership to that. But, you know, I think you and I, if we're not in agreement on the first pick, we should cancel this podcast right now. It's obviously <laughs> and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. 100%. Right, right? I, I don't even think that's a discussion. So everyone's going to have Chiefs, right? Read them home, yep. boom. So now it comes down to what's your, you know, your two and three. So this drops off a cliff dramatically because I don't. Th- we're at a weird point where there isn't an, a very established good coach with one of the up and coming quarterbacks because um, we don't know enough about. I mean, Zach Taylor's school of work is still pretty small. I would say Sirianni with the Eagles is the same way, right? So I'm going for a weird one here, and you may argue it. I'm going with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. Very interesting. You know, they were one, my number four. So if okay. I were to go to four, that would be my fourth pick. Good, good choice. I mean, Peterson won a Super Bowl. Trevor Lawrence had good success last year, ended the playoffs well, and I think they're definitely on the rise. So that's a, that's a good pick for your number two. All right, what's your three? So I would have said two years ago, I would have said it would have, for sure Stafford and McVay would have been on my list, right? But I think I think you could go like again either with the Eagles or the Bengals. But I think based on what I've seen and the adjustments that they've made in games and the quarterback play, I would say Burrow and Taylor would be my third. Yeah, interesting. So my second, I'm going to put Taylor and Burrow. I just think they mesh so well together. Um, Burrow is just a superstar, and I think Zach Taylor's underrated. So that would be my number two. Couple, couple that crossed my mind, and as well, I, the McVay Stafford, I think overrated. I think they're going to have a tough year. They lost a lot. I've never really been a Stafford fan, so they don't make my list. I think uh, a few fans might say Russell Wilson back in his prime and Sean Payton. I think that's <laughs> definitely <laughs> a disaster waiting to happen. But really, the one that no one talks about, but they win every year, is John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. I just think changing the coordinator this year, you know, it's been the run game nonstop with Jackson. They've signed him to a new contract. They're going to open up the offense. Harbaugh is a consistent winner. Jackson's been an MVP, Pro Bowl year after year. And I would say, you know, they're mm. always there. So yeah, that would be my, yeah. my number three. That's interesting. I mean, I will say Baltimore quietly finds a way to go 12 and whatever, 12 and five each year, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. under the radar. Um, Harbaugh's been, he's very smart not to overmodulate. Right? He doesn't get too up when, you know, back when Lamar was, was crushing it. Same mm-hmm. time when Lamar's had a couple of off seasons, he doesn't overmodulate and, you know, quick to make a change either, right? So yeah. just consistency, right? Um, but that, you know, having the Bengals, like, and now Pittsburgh's coming back up again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Cleveland, you know, who they, with the defense, who knows, right? Like, if they can get the offense figured out. Um, he's got his work cut out for him for sure. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because you and I didn't talk about this, but neither one of us have McDermott and Josh Allen on there. And nope. I think that's interesting. Where do you, why? I'm just curious. Uh, just McDermott's a defensive coach. So how much yeah. he really influences the offense. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not certain. 
Uh, Allen, I mean, yeah, lights out. Like he's definitely my, my, my top one or two QBs in the league. Definitely three. Uh, just McDermott. I don't know. Just he, like we talked about it. We talked about last week, right? He doesn't, he hasn't adjusted always well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and when the things get, when it starts to get crazy during the playoffs. So we'll see. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's, again, it's going to be an interesting year. You know, side note, Patriots just signed uh, Elliot today, trying to, trying to beef up that team a little bit. We got (laughs) Jets, the Pats, you know, Miami with Tua. Fascinating, fascinating division to watch this year. Um, All right. So now we have a decision we want to make here, Todd. Do we want to go long on the podcast and talk quarterback tiers or do we want to go right to our listener question and talk about classic albums? I think the quarterback thing, I think we, we spent a bit of time on it, right? I think you and I are in agreement. We'd probably have, I would definitely, we'd have Mahomes. I think number one, I think we'd probably have Burrow and and Allen probably two Hertz. You could throw Hertz down on that list somewhere. Herbert, you know, I think those right now are the guys, right? Until someone dislodges them. To me, that's the, that's your top five. Yeah, I agree. I, I just wonder, you know, let's say, let's just say top five, top 10, whatever it may be. I'm going to throw some names out. We'll just do this, you know, and where do they fit? Are they elite? Are they, you know, pro bowl in your mind? Or are they way down? So I'm going to throw out a couple names. And just, I have the quarterback list here. Um, where do you see Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott is where Stafford was probably a decade ago, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to have positive stats. He wins games. But if you look interestingly enough, the years where he's been his most productive is where he's got the running game, right? And I, and I yeah. think when they've had, uh, you know, when they've been eliminated early in the playoffs, is it really, is it really been him or has it been the, the play calling, right, and the clock management? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, shared, that's a shared quarterback QB responsibility. Yeah. But I, like I said, I, you know, I don't think he's been well supported, right? But I mean, he's, I mean, he's, mid, he's mid to me. You know, okay. he's, probably, he's probably in my top half for sure. But uh, he's definitely right. not uh, – I'm not giving him a Herbert deal anytime soon. <laughs> no. Okay. Solid. I mean, he, he's on a prove a deal, right? Win and yep. win and, you know, you yep. might get a contract. All right. I think there's some interesting quarterbacks to talk about. Deshaun Watson was last year, you know, him just getting back to the league. Is he going to reclaim his Pro Bowl form or is he just on the way out? No clue. I mean, no clue, man. I mean, that he's kind of like Mike Tyson coming out of prison <laughs> after yeah. rape, rape charges are like, I don't think. He's been, you know, last year was a really, a really bad year for him. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they have the run game. They have some offensive weapons. But I don't, we, we didn't see it. We didn't see the same Deshaun Watson. So, I love that answer. I really do. The no clue. I don't think anyone has an answer with him. He's got the mega deal that I think the whole league was, felt was a <laughs> mistake. Reached. Right? Like, ridiculous. <laughs> and it really is no clue. And uh, that's another fascinating story. All right, I'm going to give you two more that I think are interesting people to talk about. Kirk Cousins. I, uh, you know what, man? Like, we have a friend who's a Vikings fan, and, mm-hmm. you know, I think they would be quick to rid themselves or move on from Kirk Cousins. Guy's solid, man. He's like he's liked in the locker room. He wins games. He's always in the positive. You know, you can criticize him for that, that fourth down check down <laughs> play to the, loss to the Giants or whatever, but, like, yeah. You know, consistently, his play has been consistent. And again, you look at the hit and miss rate of these first-round quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I'd be looking to move off Kirk Cousins. He's been largely injury-free to, uh, you know, an unknown. Uh, you know, I'll take the known. He's, he's definitely top 10. I totally agree with you. And I think the narrative can change it with him in an instant. You know, if he wins a couple of playoff games, he goes from, you know, above average to, I don't know, like, where does he rank? I mean, he, he's done above average for his entire career 
and I'm with you. I think he's a good fit for Minnesota. And you, you just wondered, why would you trade or not trade, but play the unknown draft pick? They're certainly not getting a top five pick. The team is still yeah. well built. You know, you've got Jefferson there. So what are you going to do a, a middle round pick and try to replace Cousins? I don't see it. And I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. You know, if people, we're old enough to remember, Jeff, where people said the same thing about Matt Stafford 10 years ago. Yeah, they said right. the same thing about Elway, like uh, like early on in his career, right? Like, so, um, again, I think people got to be – it is so hard to get the quarterback right in this league. Like, it's so competitive. Uh, you can't be quick to disregard if you have someone who's, can, can, you know, continually playing consistent for the mostly positive play. Right? Totally agree. And one more, it, you know – I, I hate to say this, but it's a guy I, I honestly am I'm rooting against. Uh, Kyler Murray. Tell me uh, your thoughts on Kyler. Um, I just think the league struggled. The defenses in the league struggled his first year to adapt to his play. Like he's definitely mobile. He can throw on the run, kind of like a, an early Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, so the offense had some success. But again, without putting the work in, you know, you know the, the, the height that you're yeah. at or whatever, what is he, five? <laughs> five, five, nine, five, eight, five, nine. Like, yeah. uh, he, you know, other than his mobility, he doesn't have any God given gifts that are going to like put him over the edge. And even if he was like, you know, like, uh, he doesn't put the work in. Right. And he doesn't seem to have the respect of his teammates because his teammates haven't come to his defense. And when you got to put a clause in, in your contract, that guarantee, you know, like assures that you need to watch film or whatever to me, that's, that screams that they don't have a grip on this guy. So, yeah, I think he nailed it. And uh, I, I think he sees himself as a Patrick Mahomes, right? Run around, do the, you know, the sidearm throws and all that. But he certainly doesn't have the team around him. He doesn't have the staff around him. He doesn't have the players. And then again, as you said, he doesn't put in the work. So he's a great athlete that runs around, but he's always getting hurt. He's short. And uh, I think his career, much like Russell Wilson, is on the way out versus on the upside. So an- another interesting storyline for the year. So I have one for you. Okay. <laughs> New York Giants, Daniel Jones. <laughs> I, love that, I love that song. I mean, listen, they just signed him to a contract, right? It wasn't a huge yeah. deal. So they certainly have faith in him. I think he's a guy sort of like a Kirk Cousins. He's becoming consistent. They got the run game set. You've got a super tight end there in New York. So I, I think there's potential. But I again, he's another guy I don't know. Like it, can you hook your wagon to him? But I'll also say, talent-wise, he's got more talent than Eli Manning ever had. You know? And maybe Eli not won accuracy, two Super Bowls. Yeah. yeah, maybe not accuracy, but but certainly athleticism, yeah. for sure, right? Yeah. There, you look at his season last year, right? And he had, like, I think, less than 10 interceptions, 3,000-plus total yards. Yeah. It was comparable to Michael Vick, like, pure, like, vintage Michael Vick with the Falcons, right? So I always said if <laughs> – if Daniel Jones looked a little cooler, like his jersey would be selling. Like, you know, like, <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> right? Like, and, it, and it's one of these guys that kind of like they, they come out, they struggle early, they kind of get shit on in the New York media, and then they never really recover from it. So he has to – I mean, was Phil Simms ever loved? I mean, they replaced him with Hostetler. It's a tough place to be, and you have to win year after year to really be a star in that market. And, you know, if you really think about this, Rodgers coming to New York might help Jones. The spotlight yeah. changes a little You're bit, right. Right. and uh, I don't know. I, I think there's good things ahead for him. So what's the uh, the most unexciting quarterback uh, competition since uh, Grossman and uh, Orton in Chicago 
what's the word in Tampa year that's in your backyard? <laughs> Trask, <laughs> Trask and Baker Mayfield. What's that like? What's the word oh, on the street there? Yeah, so they had the preseason game, whatever, uh, Friday night here, and Steelers were in town. And I'll say Baker played well. I think he was six of seven with a touchdown. Trask is uh, – he reminds me of Garoppolo a lot. He drives up and down the field, and he throws a pick in the red zone. So I, I don't think he's one of these guys. I think Tampa is going to have a rough season. Booker McFarland came out yesterday in the Tampa papers basically saying, let's lose, but let's be exciting while we do it. And hopefully we'll get one of the top draft picks at quarterback. It's definitely a rebuild. The Brady years are gone. They just reduced seating in the stadium. They know where things are. And uh, it's going to be a long year for Tampa Bay. Too bad, man, because they still have some pieces like Godwin Evans, Tristan Wirfs. They got some some offensive players there, right? But, yeah, there's not enough there, I guess, to hold it down. I got (laughs) it. One thing that says, like, you know who you are out there, listeners. The guys that are Baker Mayfield fans, you're the same guys that like Manziel and the same guys that like Tebow. <laughs> Apologetic for these guys. Ah, people don't understand. Um, you know, like, uh, they're picking on the kid. Like, no, they're not picking on the kid. It's like they're flamboyant, no. but they're not good. Like, I think there's enough film on him to know, you know, he's a, he's a very solid backup and he's a, a bottom 10 team starter. You know, I think that's where we're at with him. And, uh, you know. Good, good for Baker. All right, to our final topic, and this comes in. We, we did have uh, a question of the week, and we asked, what would you like us to talk about? And I'm just going to share what we had from a listener. And one of our listeners said, give us either a pick of the week, like something you're reading, watching, whatever we do, or old school review of albums. And you and I, Todd, you know, we grew up listening to music, going to Sam the Record Man almost every week and just listening to music. We were music fans growing up. So this this was an intriguing topic for us and it got us both uh, excited. So what is your old school review for our so fans? I'm, so I'm going back 45 years, right? So that's a, that's a long time. 1978, the initial or the first album of The Cars entitled The Cars. So listen to this lineup, man. No fillers on the album. You, you, you open up the album side one there, take the plastic off it, put it on the turntable right away. Okay. You got uh, best friend's girl, you know, uh, just what I needed uh, moving in stereo. Like just, it just keeps hitting you, man. Like, you know, like just, a, it was the first kind of, I think, you know, kind of coming out of the David Bowie going into that new wave sound. They were using synthesizers and stuff. Um, but for me, man, that group, like the cars, Two memories of them, man. So you remember Fast Times Original High? Sure. You remember Phoebe Cates in the pool? Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. What was that song, JC, coming coming out of the pool? Moving in Stereo by the Cars, right? Moving in Stereo. Solid. She was coming out of the pool. Yeah. Yep. Second second memory, man. Live Aid. So for those of you who don't, you know, aren't uh, old enough to remember Live Aid, 1984, they had two concerts, one in Philadelphia, one in London Wembley Stadium. Any act at the time that was anybody was at that thing. Like it would make anyone that gets excited by Oceaga, you would basically jump off the Jacques-Cartier Bridge like, if you say if you went to that concert, like right. So in the middle, like at like four o'clock in the afternoon in Philadelphia, they have Madonna, Madonna, Tom Petty, cars come out right after those two and basically take over the crowd, right? Just what I needed. Go to town, man. And you can watch it on YouTube. But YouTube, Cars, Live Aid, fantastic, man. Just Love it, man, you guys. So what's yours? That's exciting. I'm I'm gonna listen to the Cars tomorrow, buddy. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. I'm going to throw one that might be a little bit of out of left field for many of our listeners. I'm a huge UK music fan. Uh, you know, Oasis, Pulp, The Verve. Well, you, like band, the, you like the sounds of Manchester, do you? I, I do. I do. I mean, it's really where I'm at. 
and this band kind of set the tone for Oasis, and they're called the Stone Roses. And they oh, are Ian, absolutely... Ian Brown, man. Ian Brown. Ian Brown, right? Lead singer of the Stone Roses. I actually saw them in uh, New York City, Madison Square Garden, right before COVID. Amazing. And, and the hits, if you like guitar, you know, long solos and just incredible lyrics. And, and again, if you're into the Oasis UK sound, this is what drove those bands. And a couple songs, you know, Made of Stone, She Bangs the Drums, Fool's Gold, I Want to Be Adored, Waterfall. It's just a tremendous classic UK album. And it's on the top 100 album list year after year after year. Um, I can't recommend it more. So it's just literally the album is called The Stone Roses. Well, they were one um, of those important transition fantastic. groups. Like not everyone knows them, right? But if you go mm-hmm. down the kind of the, the evolution of rock, right? So you come out of Bowie, right? Mm-hmm. Then you start to have like Joy Division, the early Joy Division, right? Oh, the, yeah. the, the guitar, right? And like mm-hmm. that, 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 the, the UK sound, right? Then you get to the Echo and the Bunnyman, Jane's Addiction. They took us, like you said, they were a portal to get us to, uh, you know, like the Oasis, right? Like, I'm sure if you ask Noel Gall- you know, Gallagher, he was influenced by Stone Roses. Like, you just listen right. to it, it, like, there had to be, but we had to get there, right? And it's part of that transition, right? It's an important piece. Late 80s, right? It. Getting us into the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. Another great episode. This was, this was awesome. Uh, you and I will talk next week about uh, some new topics. Obviously, football will be on the docket. We have Hard Knocks Episode 2. I think we have a Florida Gators documentary coming out on Netflix. There's a lot to discuss. And yeah, uh, man, thought, it's, it's good, man. I thought we were going to we're gonna reach out to some of our uh, listeners who we know are NFL fans. And the goal would be we're going to ask you for their, your record, your prediction for your team's record for the year. And then we're going to compare you to the, the Las Vegas uh, Sharps like <laughs> next week, right? So, so right. let's see what you say. We'll see what our fans, the listeners say. We'll see what Vegas says. And we'll tell you who's right. I love it, man. I I hope you enjoy the episode, Todd. Always great talking. And uh, cheers, my friends. Right. Bonne semaine tout le monde. Bonne soirée.